Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Our hearts, in Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Right. Um... I, I want to I want to deal with something this morning. Most times I, I I like teaching I like teaching a lot the Word of God, but sometimes I find out that the Lord wants me to just specifically just share something with the church, and um, I just feel that this word this morning, so God wants me to just share this with you, um, to pick up some certain lessons. When we become believers. There are a lot of popular names in the Bible that we study. Heroes of faith, like Abraham, David, right? And all those wonderful names. But you know, God is perfect in his wisdom. In, in, in the scriptures, from Genesis to Revelation, you will see people who had a perfect walk with God. You will find people who struggled in their walk with God. Regardless of who you are, you would find yourself represented in at least one or two characters in the scriptures. You understand that? No matter, even if you were a murderer, Saul is your brother. You understand that? You will find someone in scripture that relates to you. If you are somebody who's had five divorces and all kinds of shady stuff maritally, the Samaritan woman will speak, speak to you. It might not be a perfect uh, speech, but she would speak to you. And somehow in the pages of scripture, we find our lives there. But because we live in a world that is... Um, <laughs> we live in a world that likes the big things, you know, the famous things. It's things that are popular. You know what's making me to laugh? I remember sometime, um, there was this guy, um, the, uh, the father of, my, of one of my friends... The guy was big on having a big house. Like, oh no, he's, he must have a big house. In this life, people have suffered him. When he finishes his house, people will know that this God is alive. So he built a very big house. And then by the time he was done almost finishing the house, he had the stroke. So, <laughs> so you know, the house is up. He has to, his bedroom, everything is up. But because of the stroke and everything, he couldn't be going up and down. So they had to bring him to the the visitor's room downstairs. So, uh, when invested there, so we, we used to go up to play. Because we like those things, even when we study scriptures, sometimes we overlook the people who are not very popular, but they teach us very sound lessons. So, I'll, I'll give you an example, but I'll then go to the person I want to talk about this morning. For instance, we all know about Paul. Paul wrote to third of the New Testament. Paul's epistles are like the measuring standards of scriptures. It gives us the revelation of the new creation, who we are in Christ. But do you know that for Paul to be accepted into ministry and to fulfill the call of God on his life, a man by the name of Ananias had to pray for him. Right. Come on, do you understand that? Now, let us look at the conversation that God had with Ananias. God had to speak to Ananias and say, this guy is born again now. 
Go pray for him and speak these words to him. Now listen carefully to this. If Ananias did not have a walk with God, God will not have been able to give him that instruction. So how, how do you see that Ananias' walk with God became the foundation on which God could build the life and ministry of the man who will write to third of the New Testament? But you know, we don't celebrate Ananias. And that's life. One of the things that makes us to walk out of, of the purpose of God for our lives is looking for celebrations. The people who walk out of the church because they didn't give them positions. But sometimes you don't know that the way you live your life can become the bedrock with which God can build something massive. We will do a lot for the kingdom of God if we don't care who takes the glory. We will do a lot. We can build a strong church if we don't care if we're the number one person. We can build a strong family if we don't care who takes the glory. And sometimes you even hear people say, oh, all the stuff you're doing for that church. Uh, are they even appreciating it? And sometimes in our bid for human honor and human appreciation, we walk away from the very places that God had planted us. Even as a minister of the gospel. Even as a minister of the gospel. There are ministers that if you don't call their complete titles, they will not take the mic. Say, I'm an archbishop. I didn't start ministry today. <laughs> and every day, the very things that God wants to teach us are the simple things of the faith. Humility. Love. Patience. Long-suffering. Gentleness. Kindness. Meekness. Those are the lessons that God wants to put in our hearts. Because everything in life outside of these basic characteristics... Your faith will not amount to much. Are you following this? Are you here this morning? Okay. So I, I want to talk about the man called Epaphras. A man called Epaphras. Some of you would have read about him. Some of you will be hearing his name for his first time. But he will bless your life. The man called Epaphras. Epaphras is mentioned three times alone in scriptures. It's mentioned twice in the book of Colossians and it's mentioned once in the book of Philemon. Three times on the whole of the Bible. Twice in the book of Colossians, once in the book of Philemon. His first mention was in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 7 to 8. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 7 to 8. So we're looking at the life of a man called Epaphras. Just want to pick out simple lessons from his life. It's not a very difficult message or something to. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 7. As you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, it's past there. As you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant. I want you to see the description of this man. He was called a servant. He was a servant not of God, 
alone, but a servant of the church. As you have learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant. I want you to see the introduction. How he was called in scriptures. If we would put our lives against the measuring rod of Epaphras, can we say that we are servants not only of God, but servants of people? Can, can this be written about us? Can, can your pastor, I want to introduce you to someone. Can I say, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, our dear fellow servant, meaning he serves God, he serves us, and he serves the church. Can we write that about you? And look at the introduction given to this man. That he is a servant. The, the Greek word used for servant is the word dualos, D-O-U-L-O-U-S, or D-O-U-L-O-S, depending on the Greek dictionary you're using. It means a born servant. Now, a born servant is different from a servant. In those days, you know, they used to have servants, right? So, a servant was the one you got, like Joseph, you bought something. But a born servant was a servant that, for instance, after every 50 years, they had the jubilee. During the jubilee year, you released your servant. They, you had to let them go. Now, a born servant is the one that you have told, well, you have your freedom. You can go. But the servant says, no, I love you so much, I still want to serve. Do, do you understand that? So, the bond servant is the servant that has come to a place of voluntary service. He has the right to freedom, but he has chosen to serve. That's the bond servant. So, you see, Paul refers to himself as bond servant. That is dualos. So, he says, he is your bond servant. He's the one who has chosen, though he has the freedom, but he has chosen to serve you. I, I say this always, and I'm, I, it might sound controversial, but I say it always. Some, most times, if you take out heaven and hell from the message of the Christian faith, you will not find so many people in church. Because for most of us, Christianity is an escape from fire. You just don't want to go to hell. And you show those people, yeah, these people talk to you. I just want to make heaven by all means. I just want to make heaven. I don't want to miss heaven. For them, if they take out heaven, they will kill you. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're, they're. oh, on the last day, I don't want to miss the trumpet. I don't want to miss the trumpet. And everything they are doing is just not to miss the trumpet. If they were to miss the trumpet, have you come to a place where you are a willing servant of the Lord? A willing servant of the church? Can we write about you that you are a servant? Because sometimes we, we, we look at society and constantly, if we're not careful, we are beginning to bring business principles into the church. We're beginning to, you know, it's almost like we get into Brent Tracy, we get into Anthony Robbins, nothing wrong with all that. We're getting all this psychology. And before you know, it's all about being number one, being the best, be a top class person, be an A-game person, be one. Don't let people look down on you. You know, this is a world that if you have it, show them. This, uh, 
Our dress are getting thinner, thinner every day. Just show something. Let people know you are here. Blow your trumpet if nobody blows it. Don't let anyone look down on you. Go for it. It's your time. It's your world. Sometimes you even go to women's conferences and you're surprised at the things they're teaching. Women, it's your time to arise. <laughs> From where to where? Take charge. And before you know, you become discontent with your life. Looking for what is not lost. My mother used to tell me that sometimes you don't know your cuttings are bad until you visit your neighbor's cutting. Have you observed that? Where you were just enjoying your life until you saw something. You, your life was beautiful. Your life was going on well. That's why he discovered that regardless of so many things we have in the city, sometimes the people who live in the village are very peaceful. They don't have light because they don't know the, the I mean, they, they know light is good, but they've lived their life without light. They don't have Wi-Fi, so it's not a problem. You know, some of you, when you don't have data on your phone, that's why you didn't make service because the last money you're supposed to use to transport, you used it to check Facebook. Fellow servant of the church. And Jesus says that he that wants to be great amongst you must be servant of all. It did not tell us must be servant of so and so because it is easy for us to serve people who would benefit us. It is easy for every one of you listening to me this morning to serve me than to serve the person sitting next to you. Because he is the pastor. You know sometimes I call people with my other line. And then they respond very harshly. Hello? Hello? Hello, this is Max. Hello, Pastor, ah, good day, sir. <laughs> the voice becomes like somebody who has worked in the glow center before. Why? Because just because I'm a pastor, then you need to answer me well. But if anybody else calls you, you give them a piece of your mind. That's hypocrisy. That's not Christianity. You mustn't treat me. I mean, you must, you must honor me. You must respect me as your pastor. But so does everyone who comes around you deserve the same respect because you're created in the image of God. We must learn to serve. We must come down from our high horse of achievements and pride and wealth. And sometimes it's not even just wealth that gives pride. Sometimes poverty gives pride. Because anything anybody talks to you, you measure it. If I had money, would they talk to me like that? Oh, in those days when I was working in uh, the railway line, nobody could talk to me like that. You, why, why don't you go back to the railway? We must learn to come down from our high horse and serve the body. We must come to church with a mind to serve. And this man was not introduced with many accolades. He was introduced with just a line, a servant. Our dear servant. Praise the name of the Lord. The next line. Who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf? I want us to pick the word faithful. Pistis, Greek word. Someone you can count on. Are you a faithful man? Are you a faithful woman? Are you a faithful brother? Can we count on you? The minister of Christ. Are you 
unfaithful. In just this two, um, this this one verse of scripture, two lines, we see two key characteristics about Epaphras. One of them is what that of a servant. And what's the second characteristic we see? Come on, talk to me now. Faithfulness. Just one line reveals so much. One line reveals so much to us. One line sets so much of a high standard. Every day, as I discuss, as myself and my wife, we discuss about our role as pastors and as leaders, every day we keep telling ourselves, we are servants. We are, because, because it's almost looking like if you're a minister, everybody else should serve you. You have to be deliberate. See, if you're not deliberate, you cannot serve the church. Paul says, I had to refrain some of my rights so I'll not be a stumbling block to the gospel. We must remind ourselves every day that we are servants. Sometimes it's hard to communicate this in church because we're so caught up in our positions. We're so caught up on ourselves. We're so caught up on our roles. Everybody wants to, everybody wants to have a role. Even the husbands in the house, you want to show people that you are the man. Even when you're wrong, you can't apologize. Because my late great-grandfather told me a man is, should be a man. And that's why you're destroying your marriage. You keep hurting your wife. Keep hurting your wife. Keep hurting your wife. Your pride cannot allow you to say sorry. And then we don't even help in church because we just throw the submission card everywhere. Submit. 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 And you're forgotten that in that same scripture, the scripture says you should love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave him for her. That means that you become the sacrificial lamb that reveals the love of the father. That if your wife is struggling with her relationship with God, when she sees how you love her, she can understand the love of the father. We don't want to hear that. Submit. Even when you are making foolish decisions, they should submit to you. Now you have taken the whole family out of the will of God. You don't come to church. You don't hear the word. You don't study the word. You don't have a relationship with God. They should submit to you. Because biologically, you are a man. But spiritually, you should be having services with our, our kids there. There's no relationship with God. doesn't matter to you. Doing online church. Facebook life. Scripture says, do not forsake the gathering of the believers. That's the one scripture you will not keep in your life. Because you are very intelligent. You know everything is wrong with the church. I'll show you the next thing about, about, about Epaphras. Look at the next line, verse 8. Who also declared to us your love in the spirit. I, I want to say this here. Because when Epaphras was bringing the report of the church in Colossians, he did not bring any negative reports. He just came and says, listen, Paul, those guys, they're doing well. What report do we have about our churches? Listen, I'll tell you the truth. I don't believe that everybody in the Colossians church was working right. But you know what? He chose to give a positive report. And I'll tell you why. When we go to the next time it was mentioned, I'll tell you why he gave this report. What report do we give about the church? What do you post about the church on Facebook? 
pastors who are after your money? Maybe out of 100 pastors, maybe 30 or 40 are after your money. What about the remaining 60 that are laboring night and day for the sake of the gospel? So exactly how much have you given to the church that the whole world must learn? You know, I'll tell you something, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this here because I'm going to spend time teaching in this church. I was in South Africa over the weekend. Well, I don't teach it in my own church, but I teach it in other churches that I go to, so it won't look like you're looking for something. But I taught on honor and the anointing, on how honor releases the anointing, and how familiarity diminishes the anointing. I was teaching the church how to honor their pastors. And while I was teaching, I prophetically made a statement, so I gave an example. I said, you know, one of the reasons pastors' children don't like really serving God is because they see their father spend so much for people, give so much, give their life, and they're not properly honored or properly taken care of. And for instance, if they die, the church sometimes doesn't even take care of the family. And immediately I, make that, I made that statement. A young man broke out crying. He ran out of the church. So I finished preaching. And uh, the pastor, my host, my friend, came to me in the office and said, did I remember something like this? Well, the way he just, I, it wasn't like I took notice of it. So he said, when I made that statement that a young man cried and ran out of the church. So they, they brought him family of seven. And it was exactly what happened. The father founded the church and passed on. And the church elected a new pastor. Look, didn't look after them properly. Things went so bad, some of them couldn't even go to school. The, the mom had to move to a, a lower suburb just to be able to take care of them. And when you look at the children, you can see people that deep within them, there's a love of God, but they are trying all they can just to be rebellious. And so I ministered to them. They were all crying and just broken. I ministered to them, you know, just told them, well, this is not about you and the church. It's about you and God. You can't let what people do to you make you offended at God. What reports do we give about the church? What report do you give about your own church to outsiders? You know, people will never know what is wrong with us except someone amongst us go tell them what is wrong with us. When you sit, what do you talk about? Is it the good things about the church or the things you don't like? What do you talk about? What you don't like about your pastor? How your pastor's wife is this? How your pastor is this? Oh, this one now. Oh, this choir. Ah, this one. In your former church. Ah, if you see choir, you will know it's choir. It's not this one that they are doing fancy temptation things in church. What do you talk about? Gossip is never a virtue in the life of a believer. It doesn't matter how you paint, paint it. Epaphras chose to bring a good report about the church. Like I said, listen, anywhere humans are gathered, there'll be imperfections. He could have said, listen, Paul, I'm the one telling you, you don't know those people. Are you following what I'm saying? But he chose a different report. And you know why he chose a different report as we study his life. But I, I just picked so much lessons from the life of this man. Number one, he's a servant of the church. Number two, he's a faithful man. Number three, he chose to speak good about the church of Christ. Sometimes, the way in our own generation, we, we blast the church and take the church apart. Sometimes I ask myself, is, does it mean that the church has never been good to us?
You know, I mean, this is the church I pastor, so I can tell you what's in my heart. Most of you know at the beginning of this ministry that we have a feeding program where we, we feed people, right? So the, the first year we did it, some of you who were part of us there at the other church, we had the video cameras, so we recorded it. Some of you watched the video. And uh, three months after, I was spending time to pray, and, and the Lord began to, to just poke my heart about that. I mean, why did you put all that on? So I was like, oh, for, for the partners, for the partners, just to show the partners what we're doing. So the Lord asked me, who are the partners? Now, the, the truth of the matter is that we took whatever we did from the church post, right? So the church people are the partners. Do you, do you get what I'm saying now? The church people are the partners. But then by the time the video went online, a lot of people were watching it. But the most of the people that were watching it were not really partners. And sometimes we feel that, oh, when people see what we are doing, they will give to us. Most of the people who watched the video, <laughs> they didn't give anything. But you know, deep down within me, I think it was more of a reaction to what people say, oh, churches are not doing good, churches are not doing good, I'm going somewhere. And since then, up until this time, we've done a, lead, a lot of feeding programs and we've not put anything up. Because sometimes in an attempt to just show to people that we are not like others, we fall into the trap of exalting ourselves. I, I don't, do, you, do you get what I'm saying? Do you, do you get what I'm saying? So you don't even know what those ministers are doing. At least in this ministry, there are close to five, six people on scholarships going to school. You are not aware. You don't know how much we spend on welfare. But you know, if I buy a new suit, you're going to know. Just quickly go, go. Colored brown suit. Amor, yay, man of God. Why are pastors like this? When there are poor people all over the place. If you care about the poor, then you do something about it. You don't talk about what others are not doing about it. Did you eat last month? Yes. How many times did you eat? Three times a day. Did you save a plate for the poor? No. You don't care about the poor. Keep quiet. You're just being judgmental and critical. That's what happened to Judas. What did Judas say? They could have sold this and given it to the poor. You know what the Bible said? He said because he had the money bag. He wasn't concerned about the poor. Some of the people you think don't care about the poor, if they tell you what they do for the poor, you will be shocked. Now, I'm going somewhere because we are now living in a society where we have to show everything. And it's almost like we are trying to tell the world we are not like them. And what is happening is the world is dragging us into its terrain of showmanship. When the scripture clearly says that whatever you do in secret, your father in heaven, what reports do you bring about the church? What's your perception of the church? What report? This is not just talking about the church right now. Even about people, what reports do you have about people? If we want to confirm any negative news, is your number the best we should call? I heard that this woman has left her marriage. Ah, yes, oh, yes. yes. She left March 29th, about 3 o'clock, if I'm not mistaken. 3 o'clock. That's where she packed her bags. <laughs> Accurate timekeeper. Why do you feel happy when things that are bad happen to people? It's not a Christian virtue. That's why we keep people all over the place. I die. Anybody. Even if my mother. Even if my father. I don't care. Let them die. Let them die. Let them die. Let them die. Just die. Just die. Die. Let me live. Die. Let. So if all of us die and leave you here, now we are all dead and you are the only one on this island, you'll be very happy. You know, sometimes the most lonely moments of your life is when you realize that you don't have a true friend. You realize that? There are many people around you, but nobody's close to you. And gradually, we have taught people to become wicked. 
that believers are not forgiven. That's why we can't forgive ourselves because we are trained to kill. Trained to kill. You're trained to kill. Trained to be wicked in the name of dominion. You know when Jesus was about to be crucified, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll, go, I'll go there now. When Jesus, was, when Jesus was about to be crucified and he told the disciples to pray, they didn't pray. They didn't pray. You're sleeping. You know, you know, I've said it before. Some of you think the disciples were very super people like Peter. We are talking about Peter here, not Maxwell. Peter. <laughs> the guy denied Jesus. I have not denied Jesus since I knew him. And it was a small girl. Girls have been giving people problems for a very long time. Small girl just said, I think I saw you. Ah, I said, no, Jesus, me, God forbid. How will I know Jesus? This was the same Peter that said, thou art Christ, the son of the living God. You must be used to people's changing emotions. You be used to it. It's part of the human nature. Until people are matured in the spirit, they will always change. The people that will come and say, God, as you came to this town, God just told me, you had sent unto my life. Two years down the line, God has sent somebody to their life. He just get used to it. And then they didn't pray. So they came to arrest Jesus. What did Peter do? He took out his sword and just out the guy's ear. Palm. You know, if it were to be us today, say, Peter, thou art my disciple. In whom I may please take out the second ear. How did they arrest Jesus Christ? <laughs> take it out. Let, at least, even if we are going to the cross, let this be a sign that Jesus is not somebody to be tempered with. <laughs> So sometimes you hear us ministers boast about how many people died when we were doing something. To show them that we are anointed. We didn't come to this town to play. At least four people are, are gone. And if you are not careful, you will join them. Yes, I know. <laughs> Papa, we are careful. We are careful not to join them. <laughs> but when they wanted to call down fire, when people did not receive the ministry of Jesus, Jesus looked at them and says, you know not what manner of spirit you are made up of. People's rejection towards us must not release our human nature. Rather, I should release the love of God. Are you following this now? So, in this verse, we learn how many things from the life of Epaphras. Three things. Number one, he's a fellow servant. Number two, a faithful minister. Number three, he brings a good report about the church. Love covers wrong. It is something in my life that I'm learning. I'm telling you, these are lessons that God is pulling deep down into my heart. If there's one prayer I pray for my life every day, is to walk in love. I, I'm telling you. That's, and if you listen to me preach a lot of time, that's the one thing I emphasize. That's the one thing I emphasize. Because I hear these messages also as I'm preaching it to you. Just allowing the love of the Father to overwhelm my heart. That I do what I do. I preach. I travel. I do whatever I do out of the love of the Father. Out of my concern for the body of Christ. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's go to the second place where Epaphra was mentioned. Colossians chapter 4. Are you learning something? Yes. All right. That's good, good, good. Verse 12. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 12 to 13. There's the man called Epaphras. So much in his life. So much in his life. Sometimes our greatest legacies or the people. Some, some of you sitting here this morning. The people that affected your life so much are not even the popular people you know. Some of you, it might be your grandmother. For some of you, it might just be a friend that led you to Christ. For some of you, I, I was thinking back today, um, yesterday, I was thinking back, 
as I was studying this, and I remember that in secondary school, I had a friend, he's, he's a medical doctor now in, in, in the UK. But he, his brother used to receive Kenneth Hagin's Word of Faith magazine. So he used to bring copies to, to school when Jess won Jess to then. And I realized that was the beginning of the seed of ministry that was sown in my heart. And those of you who are close to me, you know I love traveling to countries. One of the things that planted that seed in my heart, my dad used to get T.L. Osborne's magazine. If you, if, you, if you had access to those magazines, they were big like newspapers. T.L. Osborne used to send them. He used to put one way, one job, one mission. And he used to write reports about nations. He's gone to preach, Guinea, Conakry, and all of those countries. And most times, I think that's where probably my love for African nations came from. Most times, since he was coming from the U.S., he was reporting about African nations where he did crusade. So even while I was still small, I had learned about Nakuru in Kenya, Mombasa, and all of those places where he did crusades. And that was, that's something that God used to plant the seed of going to the nations in my heart. Some of those insignificant things are the things that bet the platform for God to do some incredible things. And that's why we must live our lives carefully because we don't know who we are influencing. Not that we don't know. We are influencing people. We might not just know who. Are you following what I'm saying? Epaphras, who is one of you? So, this also tells us that Epaphras was not special. He wasn't anointed specially for this life. He's one of you. Talks to us about his humanity. He's one of you. Because sometimes when we read scriptures, we put these people in a superhuman uh, pedestal or platform and looks like, oh no, we're talking about Epaphras. We're talking about Abraham. Even Abraham, the father of faith, you know when he was getting into, into the land, he just told his wife, he said, come, 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 come. He said, this land we are going to, you are so beautiful, this king might take you. So, if they ask you, say you are my sister, you, you understand? That's Abraham, the father of faith. Then he said, eh, of course, he's my sister because I started to give family history. The question is, was it because the family history you said is your sister or because you didn't want to die? A man didn't want to die. He said, they will keep me now. All the bad price I've paid, we just go wasted. Self-preservation. That's your father of faith. Self-preservation. All of us seated here this morning, except by divine intervention, we are all consigned about ourselves. It's the love of God that makes you to begin to look after another person. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes, even in marriage, even your children, at a point, they start, you know, at the point as children grow up, they start saying, can I do this so I can do this? Can I do this so I can do this? You know, you know, if they clean their room, if they wash the plates, if they do everything, you can allow them to watch television. So what happens? They clean the plate quickly. Are they cleaning the plate because they want the plate clean? No, they want to watch TV. Are, are, you, are you following what I'm saying? Yes. Sometimes you even think they are going to school to learn. They are going because of their friends. They just, they just, they just get excited. Say, ah, this is my child, like school, like. You can hang out there, and of course, they let in the process. But what I'm trying to say is that basically everybody's looking after himself. It is Christ that now begins to put in you heart to look after another person. Epaphras is one of us, a bond servant of Christ. I've explained this to you a bond servant, Dolos, the one who choose to willingly serve. So, there is the message I'm preaching this morning your will is involved, you have to will to be this person. You have to will. I choose to be humble. I choose to serve. I choose to keep myself low so I can serve the body. It's your choice. 
It's a choice to walk in love. Your choice to walk in unforgiveness. Anybody that has offended you, you have all the reasons in the world. You know, when Stephen was, was being killed, he prayed. And he says, do not lay this charge against them. How many of us can pray that prayer today? I mean, these are guys killing you. Now, you know, we, we, when we pray, we kill supposed enemies. The ones we don't know. So, we just spray the bullet. You know, you don't know where your enemies is. You just spray it around. That's why you count everybody. Even if it's my father, even if it's my pastor, I don't care. Let me just go. So, <laughs> but here was guys, right? Like they were stoning him. It's not like, you know, if they kill you by bullets, it's quick. Boom, you're gone. Or they kill you by whatever. This is stoning you. They stone you. You're dying gradually. The stone you are holding and stone you, stone you, stone you. And those guys, ah, they could stone. Because it was the, the acceptable way of killing. So people had trained. Stoning sensitive parts. Say, if I stone this guy, I will not miss. Watch. And then they stone. It's you they are using to do experimental practice. Then they stone. Power. <laughs> and then the Bible says, <laughs> Stephen lifted up his voice, right? And no, so the little of his eyes and the heavens were open, and he saw Christ. Who who thinks that if I'm stoning you, you are going to lift up your eyes and see Christ? Is that what you're going to see? I'm not sure. Who will see Christ in the midst of pains? But the realm of the spirit was more real than the physical body. And then he prayed and says, Do not lay this charge against them. In that circle of killers was a man called Saul. Who held the garments of those who were stoning? Like, guy, we are ready to stone. Hold this shirt for me. You understand? <laughs> like, this is stoning season. And I don't want anything to disturb the accuracy of my stoning. And so, this guy hold this garment. So Saul held. Of course, you know, holding the garment means that I agree that you should stone. Do you understand? You can't say, oh, I was just holding the garment. I was not stoning. If your friend wants to fight and say, hold this shirt. Once you hold this shirt, it means you are saying, I have licensed you to go forth and fight. That's what it means. So, so holding the garment was it like, wow, good stoning. Oof, I've never seen such a stoning. And Stephen prayed and says, do not hold this charge against them. In that guy there holding the garment was going to be the greatest apostle the world will ever see. Who planted more churches than those who walked with Jesus. Who wrote more Bible verse, more Bible books than those who walked and ate with Jesus. Who saw more about the reality of the new creation than those who ate with Jesus. So can you imagine that even those you're looking at right now that are not born again, that are not serious, that deserve death. Don't you think if we go by this principle, there will be even more potentials in them for the kingdom than you that have been a Christian for 40-something years? You know, sometimes your longevity of Christianity becomes a stumbling block to progress. Say, it's not today we got born again. The first SU revival in 1972, that's when we gave our life to Christ. What are you talking about? <laughs> Say, when we were believers, you were still growing up, you were in Sunday school. We're talking about <laughs> the authentic revival, not this one, you people. And then, that knowledge of revival that you were the one that started the, with Kumuyi, University of Lagos, it has not let you go. It shows that a child of God must not hold charges against people. 
that our prayers for them must allow the purposes of God to come to pass in their life. And this is very tough because it goes against the grain. But that's when you begin to know that your maturity is coming. Christianity is not an easy thing. You know, it's not like when you become a Christian, then it becomes easy. No! Even for those of you who got born again within the context of that revival in the 70s and in the 80s. You remember when you accepted the Lord? Some of you had to tell your girlfriends to go. Was it easy? It wasn't easy. Some had to burn music. Some had to burn stuff. It's just that now, <laughs> somebody can have a girlfriend in church and it, would ju it just changes the name. This is my fiancé. <laughs> it just changed the terminology. And they can be there three years, four years, five years, six years. How long does marriage last? Because we don't want to let go. We don't want to serve God with all our lives. We don't want that commitment. You lead worship in church. Who is your role model? Um, uh, 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 Tubaba. Tubaba, you, you just like his voice. So, so in the morning, you felt probably like two, three hill songs so that the day will not start bad. Then you enter all the songs of Two-Face. Then from there, Aaron Kelly, just to work on your voice. That's why we sing in church. People will still die of cancer. We still die of all kinds of sickness. And we can't see the power of God. And we're wondering, it has nothing to do with the power of God. It has everything to do with our consecration. If we're not seeing miracles, it's about us, not God. If we're not seeing the power of God in our services, it's about us, not God. If we're not, listen to me, we cannot, we cannot hold on to this and this one. We must radically be consecrated to the cause of the Father. You know, if you follow public transport a lot, you know what I'm saying. When you, I mean, those drivers are my own. When you follow those drivers, when the journey is starting, they'll just start with voice of the cross. You know, in the morning, early in the morning, I will rise and praise the Lord. The hours I pray together, stay together. Then they will enter Sinach. Then they will enter. Then when the journey is going high, you just get to hear, you know that, ah, we have left the Christian faith. They are the end of the journey. They will not end it with fella. About the corruption in the country. Everybody thief, thief. <laughs> then they will not pack. They will pack, they say, let us pray. You know, some of you have that life. You just have that life. You start, you, you start in the spirit and then in the flesh. And then the next question you'll be asking, you say, Pastor, I want to ask you, what is secular music? Define it. What do you mean by secular music? Listen to anything you want to listen to. Because when people want to disobey, they start looking for explanations. Every music carries a spirit. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and life. That's why they don't play you song in clubs. Because the spirit that comes out of that song will not permit whatever activity they want to do. I believe that's a word of knowledge for someone. A bond servant of Christ greets you. Always, I want to take note of the word, always, consistently, constantly, always doing what? Laboring fervently for you in prayers. Two words I want us to take from there. It says, number one, he is always praying for you. Laboring fervently in prayer. I like the word laboring fervently in prayer. It's two Greek words together. It means agonizoma. 
that's to agonize, to labor, to travail. It's like when Paul says, my little children, with whom I travail in bed pains, that Christ be formed in you. Galatians 4.19, Paul says that. He says, this guy called Epaphras, he has something he does constantly. He's always laboring in prayers. Are you not the reason why he couldn't speak bad about the church? Because he was praying for the church. You cannot speak bad about people you are interceding for. If, listen to me. If you're praying for someone, you don't talk bad about them. The spirit of an intercessor will never go with the spirit of gossip. If you find someone who gossips a lot, they don't have a prayer life. Oh, come on, come on. I know what I'm saying. Say amen. amen. If you find someone who talks a lot, they don't have a prayer life. You know why? Because when you go to the place of prayer, God will begin to speak to your heart. They'll say, you shouldn't have said this. You shouldn't have said that. And you know what? When you rise up from the place of prayer, you just learn to keep your mouth shut. Nothing destroys the church like gossip and talk. If we pray more and talk less, we would have a great church. We will have great churches. Always praying, laboring in prayers. Luke 18, 1 says, men ought always to pray. Epaphras gives us the model of a praying life. Are you a praying man? Are you a praying woman? When we say, let's pray, do you pray? And even when we are praying, are you praying fervently? How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? You see, one of the things which is very fantastic, the message of grace has brought the revelation of the new creation to us. But one thing I found out is that some people who don't understand this message have thrown away their prayer life. So you just hear, it's not by how long we pray. So you are sustaining your Christian life by five minutes of prayer. Yet you can watch Champions League for 90 minutes. You know some of you, when you're watching Champions League final, you will start watching from the opening ceremony. When they're arranging the things. You watch all the dance. You watch the match. Watch the penalty. Watch when they're giving the cup. Watch the commentary after. It is where the people in the studio now say, we'll see you. <laughs> say, 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 okay, the next Champions League final. That's when you off the television. That's like three hours. But yet, when it's time to pray in church, ah, why are we spending time? Is God death? Why, why does spiritual activities to you seems like you're wasting time? When you read your Bible, it's as if something is biting you on your bum to get up. You just open. Uh, Paul and Timothy, Father, I just thank you for Paul and Timothy. <laughs> oh, Jesus, I just thank you for Paul. Oh, Jesus, we worship you for the life of Paul. You are out of the house. And then you see your friend by the junction. You are there for 30 minutes just talking. Ah, Buari. Hey, they say he has come back again. This Buari, I don't know. 2019. God will say, ah, no. If I remember, I want to run away. I, want, I just want to run. <laughs> he say, run to where? I don't even know, sir. Just, just be running until the direction comes. 45 minutes is gone. In the night, your wife is encouraging you to pray. You are snoring in the presence of your children. You are not ashamed. Until it's your child that now wakes and says, Daddy, come, let us sleep. Say, have you finished praying? Say, yes. That was 30 minutes ago. Your children are the one now taking you to bed. And yet, any little thing, the church of today, I don't understand it. We don't even understand you. We don't understand you. Men ought always to pray. Call for prayer meeting. you see more women. Commitment in church, you see more women. And, it, and, and well, one of the reasons is because we pastors have also just unconsciously taught men that their responsibility is to bring money to church. I'll send my tithes. I'll send my offering. You can be a believer for 10 years. You have never casted out a demon. 
If you find a demon now, you say, let's go and meet my pastor. Let's go and meet my pastor. One day when you come, I will lock the office. So I'm not around. <laughs> pastor is on vacation. Cast it out. If you cannot cast it out, they will tell you that you and the demon will be here. I say, lock the door. Let's security go. Two of you will stay here. Two will come back. The same tongues you have been praying in secondary school is the same syllables you have for 10 years. When last did God speak to you about your life? When last did God talk to you about your children? When last did God talk to you about your future? Every time you dream, you always see your grandmother. Every time you dream, you always see your grandmother. You are jumping from building to building. Yes. Since you are not busy in life, they should keep you busy in the realm of the spirit. Why will you not be jumping from building to building? Think if you are serious with your life, you'll be jumping from building to building. We must wake up. We must become men and women of prayer. We must become men and women of prayer. We must become people of the spirit. We must become people of the spirit. There is something in God we need to press into that is deeper than what we have now. There are more realms in God. Yeah, there are more realms in God. Always. Is your prayer life always, is it constant? Do you have a constant prayer life? You know what they said about Daniel? They said if we bring any charge against him, we will not get him. The only place we can catch him is his prayer life. If it were you, where they catch you? Say the guy always plays, prays by 3 o'clock. The guys will wait and be tired. See, actually, you thought you were three. See, ah, that guy, <laughs> his three can be seven. No? When last did you spend time to pray? I mean, real prayer. Not, we, will, we will find out what he was praying about now. He was not praying for breakthrough. Real prayer. When last did you spend time to pray? Do you have prayer partners? Do you have friends you pray together with? I'm, 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 I'm seriously addressing the men because I know women, they have all this group and all these things and all these things. And let me tell you this. Let me tell you this now. I mean, this might be a bit, but... You know the reason, well, I might, I might be wrong. This is just me now. But you know the reason why sometimes women are that serious with God? Two, two reasons. Number one, because of their children. They always want their children to walk in, in, in the way of God. Uh, and we find that in the life of Timothy, the grandmother, the mother. And then, because of the way we have taught in the church, it almost looks like it is the man that has the authority to divorce the woman. You know, if, if, a, if a divorce happens... All the blames goes to the woman, regardless of what the man did. How many of you understand what I'm saying? So women are always praying to preserve their marriage. Because unconsciously, we train men to even be responsible in marriage. So even when they do something wrong, you say, hey, it's the man. Just, just tell your husband, sorry, everything will be over. And the man is clearly misbehaving. So you know, out of, um, like I said, I might be wrong. This is my own theory. Until you prove me wrong. But out of that, it drives them to the place of prayer. But for the men, you can just wake up and say, ah, I don't want to marry again. And then they'll be begging you, oh, God, take it easy. And I say, no, my final is my final. You, you know, just crazy behavior like that. And then you don't care even if your children are in school. I mean, when I talk about school now, school, church school, Sunday school. When last did you ask your children, what did they teach you, the children church? Even because you even forget what I'm you now. How can you remember? So if your children ask you, say, no, don't mind that pastor. Every time he comes back from travel, that's how he will just be doing. He will cool down before he travels again. Say, <laughs> that's our pastor. Anytime he comes back from travel, he will just be charging, charging. Don't worry, we soon start preaching. He will cool down. Don't mind the guy. Because <laughs> you can't remember. You're not learning anything. We must become men of prayer. We can't be watching our women pray and we are snoring. It's abnormal. We must become people of prayer. Men ought always to pray. When I came back, that's what I told the staff in the office. I was going to have a prayer meeting for only men who announce it. Men prayer meeting. Yeah, we're going to do it next month. Only men, two hours, non-stop. Pile up all the chairs. Nobody's sitting down. Let's pray. Yeah. 
Because some of you who hold bottle of Coke, I don't want to mention bottle of anything, but bottle of Coke, let's be on the safe side. You can hold bottle of Coke and watch a football match for two hours and not sit down. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> for some of you will now ask me, but Jesus turned water to wine. What does that, what does wine mean in the Greek? You that like Greek a lot. What does, <laughs> we must become people of prayer. Always praying. And how was he praying? Fervently. Fervently. He wasn't praying casually. Do you have a fervent prayer life? Never be a Christian who would say, when I used to pray. God forbid. Don't say that. Don't say that. You should be growing in your prayer life. Are, are you here? You should be growing in your spiritual life. If you used to pray two hours in school, you can do three hours now. Don't say, ah, in those days when I used to pray, Pastor, even you, you will run. No, I won't run. I'll stand. We'll pray. Pray. Have people that challenge you to pray. Some of you have cooperative societies. You have old boys association, alumni, networks. You're everywhere. But no prayer partner. Who is your prayer partner? He's in UK. So how do you pray? Through WhatsApp. <laughs> Let us pray. Okay. Now I pray. Amen. Is that say so we will pray again at this same time? GMT plus one on the 29th. Are you serious? So, why don't you have any prayer partner around here? I can't find a true prayer partner. You, you are lazy. If you can't find a prayer partner, pray yourself, but have a fervent prayer life. What was what was the prophet praying? He was standing in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. That word complete in the Greek means fully assured. What was he praying about for the church? That they would be perfect in the will of God. Listen, he wasn't praying for their prosperity. He wasn't praying for their breakthrough. He was praying, he says, God, may this church in Colossians be perfect in your will. And look at the kind of prayer point he was praying fervently. You know this kind of prayer point? There's no fervency in it. If I say, let's pray right now that all of us will experience increase and before this year is over, there will be supernatural breakthrough, mind-boggling miracles, water into wine type of miracles in our lives. People just stand up. People pray with their phone. Lord, Father, God, my Lord. <laughs> and just pray. He said, well, let's pray that we'll walk in the will of God. <laughs> Don't worry. I know the will of God is money. The will of God for me is just to get a wife. You know, one thing I found out is this. All those things that looks like they are pressing in our, in our lives, once they come, you know what's going to happen? Something else will become pressing. If you have all the money now, you, the house you are now building, your uncle that is stealing money from you will now become your prayer point. By the time you pack into the house, you now recover that ah, there are armed robbers in those neighborhoods. They will now become your prayer point. Then by the time you now go, you, you employ the gate man who is a thief. You, yes, and they will never stop. They will never stop. And after a while, you just get tired of the whole country. Say, ah, we are going. Then you not get there. You not start praying. Say, Lord, open a way for us to come back and establish. You just be moving to and fro. But praying that you are perfect in the will of God. And you're praying fervently. The last thing we find out about Epaphras. For I bear him witness that he has great zeal for you. Do you have zeal for the church? Do you have concern for the things of God? What are, what's, what's your concern rates if we are to measure it for the things of God? Do you have concern for the things of God? Do you ask how the church is? Do you ask how the church is growing? Do, does it concern you if we don't have people in church? I'll ask you a very simple question this morning. When was the last time you want someone to Christ? When was the last time? 
I'm not talking about inviting someone to church. I'm talking about someone who was not born again. When was the last time you led someone to Christ? You went out of your way and said, I think I need to get this guy into the kingdom. Some of you will not be here today if someone was not deliberate about your salvation. Whose salvation are you deliberate about? Whose salvation are you deliberate about? For this cause came into the world to seek and to save that which is lost. Salvation remains the biggest agenda in God's heart for the nations. He has great zeal for you. And for those in Laodicea and those in Heropolis, it wasn't just that he had zeal for the church. He had zeal for other places. Do you have zeal for the progress of the gospel in other cities? Do you even dream and say, oh, I pray if God gives me money, I'll be able to fund the gospel in this city. Are you concerned about other places that have not heard the gospel? Are you concerned about the unreached? Are you concerned about nations that still need to hear the truth? Do you have concern about the church? If you have concern about the church, you will pray for the church. Yeah, and you will pray always. The last time it was mentioned is in Philemon verse 23. It was mentioned as a fellow prisoner. It means that he didn't relent. He didn't give up. He didn't ditch the faith. Philemon 23. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, greets you. This mighty man, this mighty man, this mighty man was not ashamed of the chains of Paul. Two stories come to my mind this morning as, as, I, as, as we begin to pray. In the 1960s, a lady by the name of Rachel, her, name, her full name is Rachel Tifalita. She heard Kenneth Hagin preached in 1960 in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the message of faith. And she said in her heart that the world needs to hear this message and I'm going to pray it out. She gave herself to the ministry of praying for Kennedy Hagin. Put up that tombstone for me. 1975 to 1831. Some of you would have heard of the great revival of Charles Finney if you read church history books. And this tombstone is of a man called Daniel Nash. But later he was called Father Nash. And written on this tombstone was just something very little. 1775 to 1831. Daniel Nash labored with Finney. And he was a mighty man in prayer. That's what was written. He was a pastor of a small church, I think in New York. But every time Charles Finney was to have a revival in a city, he would go um, with his friend called Clay, Abel Clay. They would rent a room at their own expense. They would spend sometimes two weeks praying for the revival. And after Finney is gone, they'll spend maybe another three days praying for the revival. And it has been said, go study it in all church history. The revival that has that the converts have stood the test of time more in all of church history was the Charles Finney revival. About 45% of the converts are still in the Christian faith. In fact, if you study church demography very well, for every crusade that is done, when the evangelists leave, it is about 15 to 20% that remain believers. That's why every year they keep coming to give their life to Christ. Do you even pray for your pastor? Paul says many times, pray for us. And I'm not talking about after today's message, you just remember to pray. Or the day I offend you, they just pray. Say, Lord, I forgive him. Do you have a concern for the church? And listen, I, I preach this, and God has graciously placed his anointing upon my life. People listen to our messages all over, all over the world, literally all over the world. I'm not just talking about in the context of this local church. Do you pray for the gospel? Do you really want to see the gospel go into the nations? Are you concerned about the church? 
Are you concerned about the kingdom? Or just what the kingdom can offer you? Lift up our voices. Let's be on our feet. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.